This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 486. But it comes down to okay, something went off, and usually is the expectations. We got into a partnership with completely different expectations, and that's what I've seen the most of breakdown when the expectations are not met, or we assume that that's what the person meant, and vice versa. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David, continually improving green. What's up, man? Nice nickname. Your nickname game has actually improved quite a bit, and I'm wondering if that's because our partnership has affected you positively. We do have a positively perfect partnership, don't we, here on the podcast? <laughs> and uh, that's what today's show is all about, is having a positively perfect po- podcast. No, no, this is about uh, partnerships. I don't know any more P words, but that's, uh, that's the goal of today's show is by the time you're done listening to this, you are going to know how to find, vet, connect with, work with, and sh- like put together partnerships that are going to help take your business to the next level. Because here's the truth. So much of what David and I have done has been through partnerships. In fact, like the the way that I've grown the most over the past two years, like opened our capital speaking, like was just bringing in partners. Because here's the truth. Like you can only be world class at like a few things. Like, I'm sorry, no matter how awesome you are, like you're just probably not world class at a lot of things. I'm not world class at hardly anything. And so when you can bring in other people who are world class at what they do, it's amazing what happens. I mean, David, for example, you 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 partner in in a, in a lot of areas. I mean, like real estate and like for example, more, you have a mortgage business, yeah. right? And you have partners there because like you can do some awesome stuff, and the partners can do some awesome stuff, and, and it enables you to be the um, you know one of the bigger mortgage people like ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool stuff. I love partnerships, and so this show is all about that today. But first, we got to get to today's quick tip. So today's quick tip is we have a new show on the Bigger Pockets Podcast Network. You know, Bigger Pockets Money, we've got the Rookie Show, we got Real Estate, and now we have the Real Estate Invest Her podcast. You may have heard of it before. Uh, it's uh, Andressa Gedelli and Liz Faircloth. They are our guests today, but they have a, an amazing podcast lined up for you all, uh, and actually entire other show that you can go listen to and subscribe to, and that's your quick tip. Go subscribe to it because they've got some good stuff coming, including an interview with Sharon Letcher, who is the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, that's actually out right now on the Real Estate Invest Her podcast. So it's Invest Her, like H-E-R, right? Get it? Get it, David? Invest Her? I get it. You get it? Pretty clever, right? So go check it out. Uh, biggerpockets.com slash invest her. Invest her. And you can check it out there and find it wherever podcasts are found. Listen, it's not coffee or donuts. It's not campfires or s'mores. Not peanut butter or jelly. Great things happen when two good things come together. So why choose between cash flow or appreciation? Rent to Retirement's new construction homes give you both. Rent to Retirement offers newly built homes that attract the best tenants with fewer repairs in outstanding rental markets. That means more monthly cash flow for you and plenty of equity growth in the background. Plus, their creative financing options let you buy investment properties with just 5% down. Not 20%, not 10%, 5% down. 
Rent-to-Retirement offers turnkey new construction homes already built, leased, and managed for you. Their investing experts find the best markets that consistently offer double-digit returns and prices as low as $150,000. And they've got more five-star reviews than any company on Bigger Pockets. You invest, Rent-to-Retirement does the rest. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount, which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com pockets. Fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. All righty. With that said, I think it's time to get into it. David, anything you want to say or do or, or, or announce before we jump into? I really love today's podcast. So maybe mentally prepare yourself for being ready to receive information that could be different than the way that you've typically thought about real estate. A lot of what we talk about today is how to find the right partner, how to avoid the wrong partner, how to set up a partnership that's actually going to work, being okay with the fact you may have to go through a couple before you find the right one. A lot of people don't have, don't find the traction that they need in business or in real estate because they're doing jobs that they're not good at doing. Like Brandon said, you can only be world class at, at a couple things of if at all. So be okay having your, the conventional wisdom that you've grown up thinking challenged by today's podcast and really ask yourself, if I found the right partner, could I get over some of the hurdles I'm struggling with right now? Mr. Continual Improvement, shall we continue this show? Let's bring them in. Hey, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you on the Bigger Pockets Podcast Network. Yeah, we're so excited to be here and we're so honored and, and, and really pumped to have joined the Bigger Pockets Network. Our podcast, as, as many know, or hopefully know, have, has been around for a few years and we're all about empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life. Yes, and here's what you can expect from our interviews. We're going to interview successful women in real estate to know their secret sauce about real estate strategies. We also want to know their journey and what made them successful on their own terms. So we are super excited to join in the network and can't wait for what's about to happen. Yeah, so let's get into your, uh, your we want to get quickly a touch on your story in case people have not heard your story before, but I know each of you have been on the show before. Liz, have you been on twice or just once before? I know you've been on at least once. 
Twice. Yeah, okay. twice. 88 five, five. and 203. I, had, I looked it up right before we uh, got on. <laughs> oh, nice. Very good. Uh, Justin, do you remember what number you were on? Mine is 314. All right. So you've been on more recent. So let's yeah. let's dive into each of your stories. We'll start with Liz. Uh, just a quick refresher for those who maybe didn't listen to those episodes. Who are you? How'd you get into real estate? What do you do? Sure, sure. So I got into real estate right out of grad school. My husband and I met well, we didn't get married first. <laughs> we met and then got married, but started investing in our 20s. And just really from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my brother-in-law, who's literally the only entrepreneur I knew in my life, gave me the book and said, you need to read this. And I said, I'm going to school for social work. I want to counsel people and be a therapist, which I sort of still am, but unofficially. But anyway, you know, long story short, um, my husband and I just both read it at the time, boyfriend, and we're like, this is amazing. We never thought about passive income, all the terms that, you know, you don't ever hear about. We heard about in that book and it really turned our eyes to diving into it. So in our twenties, no money, no experience, no one in our family that did this. Everyone thought we were crazy. Start taking local RIA meetings. And a year later, after lots of, you know, nose and hard work, got a loan from my father for 30000 and bought a duplex outside of Philadelphia. Learned a lot on that building because it was our first time landlording. It was our first time doing anything. And then we, my husband quit his job after one duplex. It certainly was not replacing his income. Like a lot of other smart people talk about. Uh, we just said, oh, screw it. You know, just, just quit your job. And I'll, I'll, um, and I took a corporate job actually in sales because that was one of the big things, um, I got from Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I didn't actually become a therapist. And anyway, long story short, we grew, grew our business. Yeah. I never, I, I really wanted to learn selling because it said, if you have one skill as an entrepreneur, you need to know how to sell. And I was like, how do you sell? You know, I don't know anything about that. So I'm like, let me take this corporate kind of management training job. I did that for about a decade. And my husband quit his job, Matt quit his job right when we got married. And that was 17 years ago. So, you know, long twists and turns and things of that sort. But we grew our portfolio and now focus mostly on multifamily syndication. We have buildings in four states and have really gone all in on multifamily after a lot of twists and turns and just trying different things in the business and having wins, having some losses and learning everything, everything around the, the circle of investing. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and I, I definitely want to encourage people to go back and listen to each of your stories because that was like a very abbreviated version of what was an amazing long story. So, which is what we have to do today because today we want to get to talking about partnerships. But first, Andressa, let's hear from you. By the way, yes. I'm saying your name correctly, right? I know last time I think I butchered it when I interviewed you. So. You are. No, that's totally fine. I'm used to people watching it. So, okay. So I was born, I was born in Brazil. I didn't even know the meaning of real estate, to be quite honest with you. So I came to the U.S. on my own for my master's degree. I didn't know a single person. And during my last semester, I took a, a sales job. As Liz said, I thought in my head, well, I need at least to get sales skills. I'm not, I don't want to be a salesperson, but I need to gain more experience in sales. So I took, door-to-door -door sales for Verizon. So I had the opportunity to talk to entrepreneurs every single day. But one day I came to my manager and I said, listen, uh, can you recommend me a book that talks more about sales? Because I want to grow my team. If I make more money, you make more money. And he's like, no. And then he pushed across the table this small purple book. And I was like, what is this? Right? What, 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 what is rich dad, poor dad? And he said, you're going to read this weekend. And then in next week, you're going to come and we're going to have a talk because one thing I know, you're not going to stay here forever and you're, you're, I can see it, but you can't right now, but we'll, we'll get there. And that was the big turn. I read the book and I was like, how come this entire world exists about real estate? 
How come I don't know this? Right. And then took rich dad, poor dad courses and dive into it. Six months later, bought uh, my first investment property. And with, uh, I appealed the appraisal after we rehab it. And with that money, it propelled to continue investing, start doing single family full gut renovations, and then start scaling new construction, doing 15 projects at the same time. And I gained experience in both residential and also commercial real estate in larger, larger projects. And here I am. Very cool. Very cool. So how did you two, how did you two meet? You guys, did you guys work together now? Is that correct? I don't want to get that, that story wrong. Yeah, we do. You know, beyond the, the, obviously the investor community, we came together and formed that. We've also worked on a number of projects together in real estate as well prior to that and, and still yeah. do as, as it comes up. So yeah, I mean, we met Andres and I, I reached out to Andres over and we met through bigger pockets, which is really super cool. But, but we were getting the point, Matt and I were kind of, I always say dabbling in flipping because that's kind of what we were doing. I wouldn't say we scaled our flipping business and definitely interview other people on best practices on flipping. You know, I could tell you everything not to do. But anyway, we really were struggling and we were doing some good projects, but we were just like, this market's getting outpriced in Jersey because we were doing a lot of everything in New Jersey. And we said, we really want to go to Philadelphia. And we said, you know, there's, there's some great markets. We don't know the markets though as well. And we reached, we were looking for Philadelphia investors and Andressa's name popped up. So I, I, we reached out and, and I, I think I had the first call with you, Andressa, and you spoke so fast. I was like, wow, she gets right down to it. <laughs> I was like, I like her, you know? So anyway, we met for coffee. We, we went to Philadelphia, my husband and I, Andressa yeah. and her husband and four of us kind of connected and met and, and really developed a friendship. And that was a, you know, we didn't partner on anything. We just were friends and for many years. And then, then you had a project on the table and you said, Hey, would you both be interested in partnering us on this flip? So, and then we did what six or seven projects together, uh, over the course of the next few years. And, and, you know, it was one of the times we were getting together, Brandon, that we said we would get together. We'd have our little coffee at Panera and we'd have a little, like, talk about some projects. We'd talk about our life. We'd talk about everything, you know, and we'd be like, wouldn't it be so amazing to ask other women in this business what they're doing and how they're doing it? We have great relationships with so many men. I, I, I have so many amazing men in my life. But her and I are like, there's just not a lot of women. We didn't see a lot of women in the business yeah. six years ago when we were meeting and, and, and what have you. So we said, wouldn't it be neat to just you know interview women and build a community? And, and if nothing else, we're going to connect with some great rock star women. But we think there might be other women who might need this too. And we, and we started it just like that in a Panera and, and created the community from there with a shared passion of wanting something for ourselves and wanting something for other women as well and creating something bigger than ourselves. So I love it. I love it. And it's called the invest her community, correct? The real estate investor community. I love yes. it. Yes. Super clever, super clever. All right. So let, I want to, I want to do it. I thought today's show would be fun to do a deep dive on partnerships. You know, we do a lot of like, you know, story episodes where we ask people their story, first deal, second deal, fifth deal, 10th deal. Uh, but, and then every once in a while we want to go into a topic because, you know, again, it's, People listening to the show, they're like, well, what do I do about partnerships? I want to be like, go to this episode. This this is the one you want to listen to, episode 486. So let's dive into partnerships today uh, because partnerships, I mean, they enabled me to grow. They enabled David here to grow. They made each of you to grow. And our probably millions of other real estate investors have grown bigger than they could have because of partnerships. So I got a, a bunch of questions I'm going to throw at you today. And David and I will kind of tag team these questions and we'll uh, we'll get to the bottom of this whole partnership thing in real estate. Sound good, everyone? Deal. 
Yeah. All right. Hands hands in the middle. Go team on three. I'm just kidding. All right. Number one. <laughs> what? I was doing it, Brandon. I had my hand in the middle. <laughs> I, I believe you would. I believe you would. Uh, what questions should you ask yourself and your partner before getting into a partnership? Before I, I answer that, let me just, uh, listen, I see partnerships, right? in real estate as relationships that you build. And we see a lot of people getting married very, very quick and then getting a divorce mm. and then blaming the other partner for something that happened in that relationship. So before you get Shotgun into weddings. a relationship and a partnership, <laughs> right? <laughs> before you get into that partnership, there are some questions that you need to ask yourself, the other partner and ask questions together. So the questions that you can ask yourself is, what am I good at? What am I bringing to the table? Is that skill set? Is it time? Is it funds? What is it? That needs to be very clear because the worst thing that you can do is to partner up with somebody that brings the same thing and you have the same personality, right? Two risk takers, danger. Two people that are very conscious about making a deal, danger. So, and do the same thing with your partner. Talk talk to me about what are your goals. Super important to talk about values, right? Liz and I always say align on values and differentiate or diverse into skill sets and personalities. And we can talk more about that. But those are the things that we'll recommend asking yourself and their other partner. And then together, you can come together in a meeting and say, okay, what is the vision for the business? Is this a one-time deal? Is this a long-term deal? What happens if things don't go right? All those conversations need to happen prior of you signing an agreement or even thinking about opening up an LLC. And and those are the questions that we recommend. Yeah, that's so good because so many times, like I see people make the mistake of, well, yeah, my buddy, my buddy from work wants to invest in real estate. So do I. Let's do it together. <laughs> right. Or, or that guy from high school that I just talked to on Facebook. He wants to invest in real estate. We're going to do it together with no question of like, well, what, why do you need that person? Uh, I mean, a lot of times it's a crutch and not that a crutch is a bad thing. Sometimes you just need a little bit of help when you're getting started with the motivation, but if neither of you like talking to contractors and you're trying to flip houses, you're like, oh, uh-oh. Like, well, you do it. No, you do it. You do it. It gets weird. But if one person's really good at the math, one person's good at handling contractors, well, now you got a winning formula, right? Yeah. So let us let me ask this question kind of in a related in a related sense. Before getting into a partnership, do you recommend like, or maybe as you get into a partnership, I should say, do you recommend like, should you do one deal first? Should you try to do like, or the whole business. You know what I mean? Like there's like, Hey, yeah. we're going to go flip a house versus we're going to create a company. And this is where the company's name is. And this is the charter. And this is the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Where do you find the line between like getting, like going all in, but also like testing the waters to make sure that you fit. Yeah. I mean, I just to jump into thought there. I mean, when Andres and I met, we didn't meet. We're like, we're going to create this community. Yeah. I, like the first day we met, we're like, so what we're going to do is we're going to start a podcast. Then we're going to start a community. <laughs> and then what's your personality style? My, my style is this. And what's your skills? My, my experience. Like that's not the, that was, we just had coffee, right? It was literally just coffee. So, and then it, and then it grows. And it's so interesting because what I always say to people is like, we became really good friends. I got to know Andressa, not Andressa, like the real estate investor, or I, I got to know her. And we got to know each other really well. And then what, what was born out of that was we started a mastermind. And we actually found all the women through the networking we were doing on, on Bigger Pockets. 
And it was five women around the country. We literally just ended that mastermind for a lot of different reasons, not because we didn't all really appreciate each other because they're great, badass women. But the five women, and we came together and said, let's do this project together. Didn't charge, everyone did it for free. Just women coming together to help each other long before Invest Her. And we divided and conquered. I saw what Andressa could do. She saw what I could do. We started to learn about, about each other's strengths. We started to learn about each other's weaknesses, right? Because we all have them. And so it was just like this test case for free, no money in, nothing at stake, no nothing on the line. We didn't know this at the time, but in hindsight, I recommend people do a project together that is like like really like low risk. <laughs> Starting an LLC and buying a property is not low risk. Yeah. It's actually more risky to do that with someone you don't know. Her and I started a mastermind. What would happen if it didn't, we didn't meet on that Thursday? Well, then everyone gets, everyone's annoyed because we didn't start the Skype at the time because that's what we use with Skype. But anyway, that was a really good test. And then we moved to doing one flip together. And then we moved to doing like a few at the same time. Then we were doing a new construction. So the time we got to invest her, and we came together on that. I was like, I don't need to vet Andressa as a partner. Now we've learned each about things about each other on this level of partnership that we didn't really learn previously, which we've had to grow through and work through and come to a lot of, you know, meetings together and just try to collaborate on. It hasn't been perfect on any sense and nothing is no relationship. That's a great is perfect. Right. So just some insight in, in low risk projects is a great place to start before anything. No, no money was in. We didn't do any of that just yet. No relationship itself that is good can start off right off the bat where you just work everything out. People will tell you what they want. You want to hear people will intend to do what they know you need. You just don't know how, like people make decisions on emotions and you don't know how emotions are going to to go. It's something I found with people I went into business with that became successful through our partnership much faster than what they expected. The weight of that success literally changed those people. Their their uh, agenda changed, what they wanted changed, and some of them couldn't handle like the success that came their way. And I've looked back and I've realized I, I should have waited a little bit longer to get to know that person before we dumped that much on them. It's just, we don't want to, right? We want to get into business and we want to start making money and we want to start taking over the world and we tell ourselves the best case scenario. So I really like that advice that it's not just about the partnership regarding who does what in the business. It's about the person. I think part of like why Brandon and I have a good relationship is that we will figure out what needs to be done when it comes to the business. We both look out for each other, but I don't worry that he would burn me and he doesn't worry that I would burn him. We both know we can trust each other. And so when it comes to the practical side of how are things going to get divvied up, each of us knows we will rise up to the occasion of what we need. If there wasn't that trust there, it'd be very hard to take any form of significant step. And I think that's a big piece that people miss when they're looking for a partner is that human being and how they value things, what their character is, is very important. Have you guys found that, you know, have you made, maybe I should ask you this. Have you made partnerships with people that did not work out because of that reason? No, all our partnerships went perfectly. Fine. <laughs> of course we did. And I think that those were the biggest lessons, right? You get a lot of great lessons where your partnerships don't go right. But the, the, the worst thing that you can do is to do not take responsibility for your part in it and just blame the other person. I think that that's one, one big thing when people come to me and say, yeah, my, my contractor just stole money and run away. 
And I asked, like, what did you do to contribute to that situation as a whole? Because if you don't know that, you're going to make that mistake again. So vetting process and other things that you can put in place in a, in a relationship, in a partnership. One thing that we always say is the commitment, not the commitment between the two people to make that relationship work. The commitment among themselves to make sure that they are working on their own stuff. We're both working on our own stuff. Liz has different things that she works on. I have different things that I'm working on. But we are constantly improving and being very, very honest and straightforward with each other. And then when there are breakdowns, we are always looking like there is a breakthrough over here. And what can we learn into those relationships? Even if it was a, a when you are in it, when the relationship is going down the hill, right? It's not pleasant. It's not good at all. And it, it really like comes down to what can I do better over here? How can I handle this in a different way? And not every single thing is going to be like, okay, nice working with you. No, you go to the left. I go to the right. We're good. Right. But it comes down to, okay, something went off and usually is the expectations. We got into a partnership with completely different expectations. And that's what I've seen the most of breakdown when the expectations are not met or we assume that that's what the person meant and vice versa. I would also add to that like personality. So, you know, there's another, I think personality is so important and people just don't value it as much, even beyond like time and money and, and expertise. All those are important things in investing. We all know that. But personality, and, and that's what I did corp, I did that for 10 years. So while I was in the business and helping grow our investing business, I would, that, that was literally the consulting I did with teams across the country, small, large. And that's what I helped them do around like kind of diverse personality groups. And it was fascinating. It wasn't just like nice to have, but like literally the companies that built these teams that were diverse in personality actually got more done or more efficient achieve the results faster. And they actually got along. They had to work on it, but they got along really well. You can see that camaraderie. When Anjus and I started connecting, you know, I'm like, I got to give you this tool because obviously I know it so well. And But now as we are in the throes of even working as deep as we ever have worked together, quite honestly, even beyond the real estate projects, because those were more kind of projects, we have really utilized that. And I think about that and she thinks about that and how we can adapt. And I think partners really need to Go all in on these types of tools because it makes such a difference. It really does. Not just like a tolerating person, because Andressa tolerates things that I do, a lot of them. And I can tolerate things that Andressa does, but like we now shift that, turn that over and say, we're going to leverage this difference. You know, we're going to leverage that. Liz is more intuitive and subjective and can change her mind a lot. We're going to leverage Andressa is not that way. Okay. And, and so more logical and more objective. But if I don't know that about her, that thing is going to annoy me. And those are the things that people leave partnerships because of personality differences, not because they're not like sometimes committed to the goal. So I just want to reiterate that because that tends to be not just like a Cosmo quiz, not just something fun to do on the weekend, but like critical to your success. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D. in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks? He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make your moves count. Bought a rental? That's a move. Made some serious stock gains? That's a move. Quit your job to go full-time on your side hustle? That's a move relocated for a fresh start? Okay, that's literally a move. Your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Whether you moved on from a job, made moves in your own business, did some side hustling, or house flipped your way to financial freedom, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction that you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy, and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. TurboTax will make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet, Chardonnay, or maybe you're more of a whiskey drinker. Well, one of their single barrel bourbons is sure to please. With a little help from one of their friendly guides, find the perfect bottle that's just right for you. Hosting friends or family and don't have time to shop in store? Well, that's no problem because Total Wine & More makes it easy to get everything you need for any occasion with curbside pickup and delivery. But you know what the best thing about shopping at Total Wine & More is? That every bottle comes with the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. All right, let's shift a little bit and go. you go a little deeper. You find somebody you really like working with. You want to partner with them. You feel like you have complimentary and whatever the other word is, not complimentary skills. You know, like they work together, right? And you want to formalize this. How do you do that? I mean, like, how do you decide on a structure? Is it going to be 50-50? Do you need an LLC? What's the next step? Or is that the next step? Well, first of all, quick disclaimer, we're not real estate attorneys or financial advisors. So everything that we're sharing over here, (laughs) yeah, right? It is just from our experience. And there's not... I'm a secret attorney. On the side. I'm a secret attorney. So it's not like one formula fits all. Sorry to break it down, but it isn't, right? So there's so many creative ways that you can come to an agreement or a joint venture or different types of partnerships, equity, debt, and then it goes on and on. And I'm sure you guys have 
podcast episodes that go deeper in that. The most important thing is like, what are the tasks that I'm going to be doing it right away? What is my responsibility? What are the expectations? And I'm requesting you guys to put it down, write it. What I'm expecting from the other person, who is responsible for what? And what are the compensations for that? And what happens if that it's not met? One of the most important clause that you can put is, if we don't agree here, what do we agree that's going to happen? Let's say if we don't sell this house or the price, do we agree to what? If we don't agree to a reduction or this rental property we did and now we, we're not getting along anymore. What is the clause over here? for termination or when there isn't a disagreement. Because if you get to the point where you are in the midst of disagreement, you don't agree to anything. You're just like in the midst of that. So that clause will determine, okay, there is a disagreement and we agreed to agree that we're gonna follow that in case of a disagreement. That has helped a lot. I'll just say that it, you know, what people bring to the table is is accounted for of like what percent they may get. Like I know for one of our first projects where we partnered with one of our first private money partners, he took an active role in the company. We, we set up an LLC. We were 50%. He was 50%. He put the $50,000 down. We put our experience in, you know, in the market and really in the area that we were investing in. And he personally audited it. He personally guaranteed the loan. So we both brought, that was a value. You know, I had recently quit my job the first time, I quit my job a couple of times. And we weren't like, banks really didn't want to lend to us. We weren't the most bankable like people, right? I had just quit my job and you think, oh, you're so excited. And you're like, no one wants to lend to you. And if you don't have the assets yet built up, which we were in that bucket. So my point in saying that, that at that point, it was a 50-50 partnership because he brought the money, he brought some expertise, he brought some time to the table and his personal guarantee. We brought a lot of other values. That was a fair 50-50. Now, if you say to me, okay, Liz, let's talk about that now. You're going to go buy a property. Well, you know, now someone's experience has gone up. Someone's time has gone down, right? So these are all pieces and levers that have to continually get evaluated to really make a fair partnership. And that's where partnerships sometimes evolve, right? He is still a private money partner in our projects now, and he's a friend and an investor. Do we go 50-50 on projects now with him? Well, our business structures evolved. Our business structures changed. So those are the other things that kind of ebb and flow as you grow and evolve and change. And those conversations on every project have to be made because that person's expectation was 50-50, but now you're getting into larger buildings. Well, I can't go 50-50 with people on a 200 unit. That's not going to work, right? It's a different structure. So those are important and sometimes harder conversations to have with partners that are used to one thing and now your business model has changed. So those are all things that have to come up all the time with those people that are used to certain things too. I would love to dig into that idea of expectations. So one, Brandon hears me talk about this all the time, that almost every single form of conflict is some degree of expectations that weren't met. One way that I notice this happens frequently is when one of the partners compares their share or their contribution against the other partners, as opposed to against if I didn't do it at all. So there's many situations where one partner is bringing more value or the value they bring is more important at that stage in the process. Like if you're the money person in 2010, you were very valuable. There was deals everywhere. No one had money in 2021. That's not nearly as valuable. Everybody has money, right? So 50, 50 does not always make sense. And I've noticed that 
if you have the money and you want to be a 50 50 partner or you used to be, and now it doesn't make sense anymore. There's a lot of people that go hung up saying, well, you're making more than me. So I don't like it versus, well, what is my money going to do if I don't invest it at all? Do you have any advice for how we can sort of handle that monster when it rears its head and says, well, look at what they're getting and jealousy can become a part of it. Well, one of the biggest reasons why people don't partner up is because they don't think other people will carry the same load as them. So they say, might as well do it myself. But then you have zero freedom of time, relationships, purpose, money, zero type of financial freedom, right? And as you evolved, what do I value more? I value my time more, not so much the funding or anything else. So when it comes down to a partnership, those conversations need to be done before. I think that a lot of the times those tough conversations don't happen because people just are so excited to partner up and do certain things. But then later on, you resent that person. And that person doesn't even know why you're resenting them, right? So having those conversations up front and people evolve, their business evolve. It's simple as no, it's no longer working. Now we're having a conversation of, are we able to adjust this or we're going to go part ways? And you can, you both can create that expectations, but having an open communication, Liz, and I can say things to Liz that she's not going to like it. That's how our relationship is very, very strong. One thing that Liz always says that we need to put money in the bank, meaning Liz and I relationship, we have meetings with each other. So we trust each other to the extent that if something happened, I have money in the bank with her. She knows where I stand and vice versa, but people don't have money in the bank with each other. So they will take, what do you mean you want 5% more, 20% more earning more than me? And then becomes that competition that doesn't help anybody. Anything I'm missing Liz on this? No, no, the emotional bank account. I think it was Stephen Covey who first talked about that. And it's so interesting because it's not real, but it's so true. Like the people that you have these relationships with that have been built upon, you know, and Jessica could be curt with me on a text. I'm not going to like, we're done. We're never partnering (laughs) again. Let's just burn the investor community. I'm done with you. No, because we have so much deposits. But it's when you don't have those deposits. I mean, even last week, Andres and I got together. It's not convenient to get together. Her and I live an hour away. We're balancing a lot. Our mission is to literally empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. So we both travel like an hour to see each other. But that once a month, face-to-face, Andres and I were going to do it at Zoom. I'm like, we're meeting. Is that cool? She's like, yeah, we totally need it. Because we are like, we just get so much done together. In person, we chat, we talk about our lives. And that is more important than tasks. And that's what business partners don't realize enough. They put the tasks over the relationship and they wonder why wow. they're squirming over 5% or 10%. It's because they're not depositing in the relationship, especially during COVID. Yeah. Who's depositing in the relationships? It's like it's like having a relate. My spouse, I have to deposit into yep. the relationship with my husband or I'm not going to have one. You ever have those situations where like, because uh, this happens to me all the time, where you are friends with somebody, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a boss, whether it's an employee, whether it's a partner, whatever. And like when life gets digital and you start texting and there's Slack messages or whatever you use management software and it's all very task oriented, you forget the very simple fact that you just like that person. And then like you get in person with them and you're like, 
Oh, that's right. I just, I, I like this per like they like all the conflicts go like almost all the time will go away. Like for this reason, like I deliberately like you know I live in Hawaii and Bigger Pockets office is there in Denver. I deliberately go back like at least twice a year, if not more, so everyone remembers. Oh yeah, we all like this is not just Brandon <laughs> works in Hawaii and he, people give him tasks and like I get together with the team. Same with my Open Door Capital team. We get together in person because it's just easy to just get frustrated with people and get angry because you just plain forget that you like totally. those people. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love that point of meeting in person as much as possible. The one thing about communicating, right? I can get very, very easily on text message, but Liz and I have very clear expectations regarding communication, right? And if it is a yes or no answer or date, confirming date or something, that can be a text. When it's more than a paragraph, then it requires a call, right? In person, it's more like strategic. So we have those boundaries. I don't text her until a certain hour and vice versa. We respect each other's private life. But as an introvert, I go to task, right? But I am mindful that the relationship is always important. And then if you get into yeah. only tax and you are not able to build a partnership with somebody through tax, right? You wouldn't do that with my contractor or with somebody else. So with your partner, if you're looking to build a long-term relationship with somebody, you got to either get on the call or in person if possible, but tax won't cut it. Oh man, that's such good advice. I've been guilty yeah. of violating that one many times I can send very low by the way my brain works once I get on something I'll just roll with it and I can make these very logical points in a text message that who knows how they're being conveyed to the person exactly. reading it right there's a really funny key and peel video where they're texting each other I think there might be some bad language in it so be careful when you watch it but basically <laughs> it starts off you've seen it like someone hey do you want to come hang out and then the guy's like do I want to come hang Yes. And he starts misinterpreting like, yeah. I'm at the Where bar. Where am I at? Yeah. <laughs> at the bar. Where do you think yeah. I am? Yeah. And it escalates to the point that he shows up ready to fight to the death with like a weapon to kill the guy. And he's like, hey, you're here. Come join the party. Exactly. So now you guys put a language barrier in it, right? I can barely speak English, as you guys can tell, right? So when, <laughs> so when Liz texts me or I text her or we have a partner and she's like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Of course I mean it, what I wrote, right? And what I wrote does not make sense. So, or vice versa, I was like, is she mad at me? What is she thinking? So all of this, this conversation that goes in our head, it's not productive. Just getting to a call and say, hey, and we know more than like two or three back and forth is a call. They say, hey, what do you mean by that? Can you walk me through? Can you brainstorm with me what's yeah. going on here? But it's funny because we're all guilty, especially, you know, after COVID. We're all guilty of it. I was like, you don't meet people and like, here are my terms. Um, this is how I operate. And so good to meet with you. Like it had to happen over time and it had to happen where going back for a half hour, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on text. I'm like, and we both knew that it wasn't useful, but then we're like, okay, let's yeah. stop. And that's the other thing is there's something we do every month. We like talk about like, what can we continue doing start doing and stop doing and working together in our business. And I think, again, it's like working on the business. You have to take time to do that. We put terms in place or what's working for you. And she'll share this with me. Like, Liz, I'm taking you out of this. It takes way too long when you're involved, but here's where you shine. And, and I need that feedback or vice versa. Like, I don't, you're, I'm not following you on this project. And she's like, I can really use this. Oh, okay. Let's do that. So it's really so healthy and more people need to do that in relationship. And it's not 
people don't understand how important it is. That's what I love about what's coming out of this conversation is that when you write down, I'm going to do this, you're going to do this, it seems so simple. And how could it ever go wrong? But every relationship goes wrong because emotions get involved and you don't know what people are. And we always don't account for that when we're (laughs) thinking about the partnership, that that's such a big piece. I know I don't love meetings. I actually, nobody, I mean, I don't think anyone likes meetings. I really don't like them. But I found if we don't meet every single week, the other person has resentment that starts building, frustration that's building, their mind starts thinking, I should leave this partnership, I don't want to do this thing, or they're waiting for me to give them direction at it. Something goes wrong emotionally, and then the whole project torpedoes, and I look back and like, that is such a dumb reason this thing didn't work. We could have fixed that so easily, and it's like that with our clients on the real estate team. We have a rule that you are not allowed to share bad news via text, email, anything other than a phone call. You have to be able to hear their voice and they have to hear your tone. It's very, very important. That's so and I'm just, I don't like meetings, but I really don't like the problem that comes from not meeting, right? Like becomes this Petri dish that, of negativity. It's not like I haven't talked to this person for six months and happy thoughts grew in that place. That just isn't the way it goes. And I think that's why it's very important that even if it's a short five to 10 minute meeting, I can tell what that person's feeling by the tone of their voice, by how excited they are when we talk, by the hesitation. Are they keeping secrets? Are they not sharing how their day went? That's a sign they might be upset. And the same goes for them with me. If I'm not happy with their performance, they can tell. And sometimes I don't even have to address it. They can just, oh, David doesn't like that I just took off and didn't tell anybody where I was going for four (laughs) days. I better not do that again. And so, you know, I know I'm curious what practices you guys have put in place to try to keep it on a calendar and keep it systematic where you're doing well that's where where i come in right i'm all about how can we save time here and be more efficient so processes in place standard operating procedures as liz said we meet once a month to talk strategically about what's working what's not working and then we look at what software can we use here to take the human being out of the equation and just bring her expertise when it's really needed so she can shine. Another, we're, I think you were, you already finished Liz. I'm not sure, but we just finished reading the book, Who Not How. Yeah. And it's really remarkable the shifts that we're, we're making it and taking the tasks out of our plate, even in a different level and hiring the right people to really do what they, they're good at and have more freedom of, of time. So we can really focus our time in other projects that we are very passionate about. Yeah, that's really good. You know, you you mentioned earlier this idea of like, you know, aligning with your partner and then keeping that open line of communication. We talked about like, you just mentioned who, not how. I want to bring up just a quick story. It just happened in our Open Door Capital life. So a lot of people know Ryan Murdoch, you know, he's he and I started Open Door Capital together. One of my best friends in the world lives out here in Maui with me and he's awesome, right? So we started together and Ryan was basically a COO. He was like running the company. Like he knew every piece of every bit of that was going on in the company. And I just let him run it. But after like, I don't know, six months to a year, he started just getting burned out and tired of all the work and being like in charge of everything. So like, because we had that open conversation, like sitting on my lanai or my front porch and we're just chatting all the time, we have these conversations, I got to see that happening. And so like, and we were open and honest. He started saying, hey, I just don't want to work this many hours. I want to go diving more often because Ryan, like that's one of the downsides of partnering. Uh, I say downsides, but it's, it's one of the upsides and downsides of partnering with real estate investors, right? We all get into this because we read like books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and we want that lifestyle. So it's, 
you partner with people who also don't want to work. Like this is kind of like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the what we do, right? Like everybody we work with doesn't actually want to work right. that much. We're not like the, so yeah, at least not for too long. And so anyway, but, but because of that, there was never like the animosity. There was never weird. Like it was just like, Hey, open conversation. And so Ryan actually stepped back from like being in charge. Uh, and Walker now is my COO and Ryan, we just call him the mercenary. He does a lot of stuff, but he does it on his terms and it's great. And in fact, I love it. He's happier. I'm happier. Everyone's happier about like the way things run now, but that wouldn't have been possible without that open conversation uh, and knowing things change, agendas change, all that changes. So again, just something to think about for personalities in this industry is we're all looking for that same thing, that financial freedom uh, down the road. And I'm not saying everybody, you know, is going to not work forever and wants to go diving, but long term, like we're not hiring people who are just content at a job for 40 years. And that's OK. That makes people, I think, work even harder in the short term so they can get the long term freedom. So, well, I think Liz and Andresa both commented, you want someone with a complementary skill set. They don't do the same tasks as you. You don't want to both hate talking to contractors. But the opposite end of that is you have to have the same goal. If you're not going in the same direction, the partnership is terrible. And that is, oh man, this is like gold. This is going to save people so much money and heartache just getting into this. I've noticed that Brandon and I tend to draw people that want to partner with us or work for us that are hoping that they can work for two years and retire and never have to work again. <laughs> and so we are not actually retired and never working again. That's why you hear our voices right now on a podcast. And so <laughs> I've had to learn to be very careful about if this person wants to achieve financial freedom and they they just want to intern for six months to learn what they're doing, go do it and never work again. We're not going the same direction, right? My goals are to build a very big portfolio that would allow me to become one of the top or the top real estate investing educators in the world. That's what I want to do for bigger pockets. So if you come work with my company, that's what you're signing up for. That's what you have to want to do too. And now I'm very careful when people say, I want to come partner with you. I want to come work with you. I'll do it for free. Are we going in the same direction? And, and I kind of am curious if everyone here would mind sharing a story of a partner who was not going in the same direction with them and what the red flags were so that the listeners may notice it when they get in a similar situation. Yeah, I'll share. When we partnered with everyone early on. <laughs> Matt and I would meet people at like a networking event and they'd be like, do, do you do it? I'm like, it's like, what, what's your favorite color? Blue. Mine too. Let's go. We're, let's, let's seriously, like we, I think so. Pick them up. I feel like so much of what I've put into my relationship with Andressa and building with her has come from mistakes we've made in the past, right? It's not like we've done it great all, all the time. But anyway, so many red flags. I think one of the biggest things is getting really clear on, you know, I think the active and passive, just the idea of active and passive is a concept that doesn't, we talk about passive income, but we don't talk enough about, I think, where people are how involved they want to be or less involved. And Andres and I have had these conversations and it's evolved even in, in our investor community and in our roles in our, in our company and what we're building. So what I mean by that though is, you know, I remember a partner we uh, met early on and we were flipping properties together and, you know, I knew personality assessments, right? So here you think I'm like the queen of knowing people and <laughs> kind of figuring it out. And, 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 and it, you know, over time, it just showed us that the personality was actually quite similar to Matt's. And I said, Matt, yeah. you guys are really similar. This isn't going to work. 
Um, he's like, no, no, it's great. We, we talk about so many ideas. I'm like, that's yeah, wrong. that's a problem. Seriously, Mac, people pay me a lot of money to, to help them. You need to listen to me. He's like, no, no, no. He's great. He's great. He's great. You know, Matt loves everyone. But anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> Throw but anyway, on the he, bus. he's got, he's gotten tougher over the years. But anyway, so when he met this guy, six months, like they just literally just followed each other around. And it just was, you know, six months later, he's like, this isn't working. We're really not getting anywhere. We have a lot of ideas, but no one seems to be executing. I'm like, yeah, because I told you that six months ago. But anyway, a red flag is when you're not making progress the way you probably should. And something isn't really shifting. There's not growth. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but you should see some ounces of growth. It should be like, okay, we're here. Now we're here. Should be some momentum on some level. And when you have so much similarity, even though they had the same goals and they had the same interests, that was all great. They were aligned, but they weren't different enough in terms of what they were going to do and, and how they were going to do it. And they got each other excited, which, which is always a disaster. If people are partners with you and you're, they're just like you and they're both excitable, that's a disaster waiting to happen. So I, I, I think of that because that could have been cut down if you listen to me. But more importantly, if your wife is not an expert in personality assessments or husband, is this person so similar to me that we're going to get in each other's way? You know, they, they, something in them should kind of like rub you a little differently. Like, wow, this person's not talking as much as I need them to, but they have so many other great things. And I, they bring this to the table. We like people like ourselves. And I think that's the biggest problem. Extroverts like other extroverts, quite honestly. Yeah. And introverts don't even want to talk to people until like they're really talking. They're like, (laughs) they only want to talk to people that don't talk and they just sit there and not talk. Yeah. (laughs) Get to the point. You know, I, I say something and it takes me five minutes. I'm just like, um, I just need 10 seconds of your time. Like, cause she's more <laughs> concise. I'm not a concise person. So I think that's a big thing. And I think that's a story. I think about that partnership and we could have saved a lot of time and energy if we kind of get out of our own way and get different personalities on board. That reminds me of this scene in Lord of the Rings where all the trees get together to talk about if they're going to help in the battle. (laughs) And like, meanwhile, the earth is being scorched as they're all just talking and deliberating over what to do. When you don't have a decision maker, they like to to do that. That's a great point. One thing that I would say is that you can spot those red flags even way prior, right? When you are having those conversations about, okay, what is our business plan or what is your vision and everything else? And a very quick tip that I would say is that, did that person show up on time? And if that person was late, that person give you a heads up. Three times in a row being late to an appointment, that tells you something that that person is going to be late in the future. And if that's not important to you, that's okay. But for a contractor, I'll say, right? A contractor. If I am meeting the contractor there uh, for an estimate and he or she is, is late, that's a red flag for me because in my head, the concept of time for that person is not important. And time inside a rehab project it is money out of my pocket. Two weeks late, three weeks late, it is less profit. So always think about what what is your relationship, uh, how you're building that foundation, even prior. How are those calls going? Are you guys getting excited? Is there any type of execution going on? Because when you have bigger thinkers and visionaries, they're very low into execution. So who in the team is going to execute? And if you have only people that execute, you don't have bigger thinkers. So diversity is necessary. 
Yeah, this is where the whole like the book Traction and the book Rocket Fuel, which is like kind of the sequel to Traction, come in. So I mean, I got so I have a sit on my desk pretty much twenty four seven now because it talks so much about like in yeah you need to have the integrator person, you need to have that that visionary, and both roles are super super important because without the visionary, you just you spin in circles without the integrator. You just sit around and talk over beer and talk about how cool it's going to be and nothing ever gets done. Yeah. So important. So important. Hey, question for you. What about when partnerships go bad? Like, uh, first of all, how do you prevent that? Uh, and can you prevent that? Are there legal, like, are there things you should include clauses in the, in the paper, the, the paperwork that you put together? Um, and then well, then we'll move into if they do go bad, what do you do? How do you dissolve yeah. things? Oh, thank you, Francesca, being so nice to each other. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think I think one of the pieces is that I think about some early on partnerships and we, you know, I remember just Googling partnership agreements and, and I think we used a few templates online, which I do not recommend. And I remember that really bit us later because we had a few properties with that partner and, and it just, we just really needed to go separate ways. And, and so my point there is put everything in writing and then have an attorney who's very, very schooled in that type of work, make sure they review it and say, okay, worst case scenario, what is going to happen? Like have that attorney push you to make sure you put everything in writing that it's very clear. And it's painful to do this. I mean, I felt like in the past, right, that could be a part-time job is reviewing agreements. And it's not something I enjoy doing. I don't know who enjoys it, but it's necessary and it's important. So Bottom line is just get a third party involved in the process. Don't be doing anything yourself or asking in some Facebook community, can you send me what partnership agreements you have and I'll just tweak it for my needs. Don't do that. Not smart. It's worth the money, 500 bucks or however much it's going to cost. Think about how much money it's going to cost you in legal fees if it doesn't work out. One of the most impactful things I ever did, one of my partnerships I had was with Mindy Jensen, right, host of the Money Podcast, uh, her husband, Carl, and then Ryan Murdoch and I, we bought a mobile home park together out in Maine. And I remember I'd never done this before because I just, I've always been the guy that just downloaded the partnership agreement off the internet kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, so we sit down because we're like, this is a pretty legit amount of money that we're putting into this thing. And we've never worked together before. And so we sat down and we did a conference call. It was me and Ryan in one room, an attorney were there, and then it was Mindy and Carl all on a conference call. And that attorney just asked us questions. It was mm-hmm. one question to another question to another question and Great. stuff that I would never have thought about. Like, just like, well, what happens if, you know, Mindy and Carl get separated? I go, how do you, oh, I don't know. We never talked about that. What happens if you and Ryan hate each other? What happens if you get sick, Brandon, and you can't perform your duties that you said you were going to do? What happens if, you know, and just on and on and on and on. And an hour later, like we were done and I felt so good and secure because we had gone through that and then we get the bill. Yeah. It was like $400. It was like, I was like, how have I not done this for every like partnership yeah. I have ever done? It's such a, an easy and fairly low cost way to have all those things covered. And, and for those of you that are uncomfortable, right. Having those conversations, thinking about, okay, what happens if I die? What happened if Liz dies? What happened if you both die at the same time? Like all those conversations. Um, there's a book that I'll recommend that's called Fierce Conversation by Susan Scott. Mm, yeah. It's just part of doing business. If you, you're concerned about your partner saying, why do we have a contract? Don't you trust me? It's my word. I'm sorry. It's just part yep, of doing yep. business. So you can blame on that if you want. Once you have that, you, you do your best to cover up the, you know, to, to care for problems. You got the attorney stuff, but then at some point you go, you know what? We're going to end this thing. I don't like it anymore. It's going South like that. Per- I don't like working with them. It was, you know, we, we tried, it just didn't work out. 
what do you do? Communication is everything, right? I mean, it's like no one wants to go through that, right? Who who really wants to go through? It's like a breakup. Yeah. I mean, who wants yeah. to go through a breakup? I mean, you know, obviously you get you you learn things, you grow from it. There's no perfect recipe for it. I I'll just say, I think especially if you're going through it with a number of people, people have to be true to what they think, what's better for, and, and, and something that I've always said, and my husband and I will say too, in our own dealings and stuff, and, and Andres and I have said is like, what's best for the business? What's best for Liz? What's best for Matt? What's best for Andre? Like you, you really have to continually get really clear, especially if it's not working out and have honest conversations, really tough, honest conversations. Don't skirt around it. Don't just you know, it's, it's not easy, but you have to kind of face it and, and try to get the best outcome you can, which is ending something and, and hopefully remaining in relationship with the person if you want to. Sometimes people are in partnerships like, I don't want to see that person again. I've had other, other partnerships that haven't worked out that I, I adore the person, right? I actually really do adore the person. It's just what we came together to do didn't work out, right? different partnership. We have other partners that were like, we're going to go sue that person because they stole money from us. Right. So there's all varying degrees of partnerships and why things don't work. But I think being honest with yourself, being honest with each other, doing your best and showing up as fairly as you can without getting taken advantage is what we all can do. Being kind as well somewhere along the way too is critical. Right. But it's not easy. And there's always two stories of the, pro- of the, of the situation. My version Andres's version and someone else's version and Matt's version with partners we didn't work out with with our deals early on. It's just, it's unfortunate, but we all have to face it if you're going to be in business. Yeah, it's it's hard, but it's one of those things that like, it comes with the territory. And so as long as you are like, the way I look at that, and I know you guys do as well, it's like, I want to be able at the end of any partnership, if it went bad, and I've had partnerships go bad, I've had situations not work out, not bad necessarily, well, I've had some that have gone bad, but mostly it's usually just like, we just find out that we don't work well together. That's probably the most common thing. We start to do sure. something together and then it's just like, you know what? Like it's just not working the way I wanted it to. Let's so what I want to make sure, and again, I know you guys do too, is like I want to make sure that I was full of integrity at every single point. So that they couldn't ever come back to me and say, you know, like you did something wrong. So as long as you, everybody listens to this, you hold yourself to the highest standard possible. If your partner wants to be a jerk or they want to do something jerky or you know, you can't prevent that necessarily. But by holding the highest integrity, like you're going to get through it. You're going to be fine. And you're going to learn some powerful lessons. In fact, almost all of my hiring and partnering lessons have come because of bad hiring and and partnerships, right? Like that's how you learn. That's how you get better. Uh, It was the lessons I learned on those failed ones that allowed me to build, you know, open door capital to where it is today is because of the failures and the bad partnerships. So don't look at it as a bad thing either. Yeah, absolutely. One one other thing that I will add is that in the midst of it, the ego comes into play, right? And that's where you need your core Mm, team or people that you really trust to say, listen, it's my ego coming to play over here. Am I missing something? What possibilities we can create here to be creative? And then both parties get out of it feeling okay about the situation. And and, and then you bounce ideas with your core team. But at the end of the day, if there's no workability, there's nothing personal. There's just not workability. That's a good point. Well, as we start to kind of wrap things up here, we're going to head to the famous four in a minute. Any just final things we didn't cover that you guys think that would help people when it comes to partnerships, whether it's finding partners, vetting partners, you know, setting them up. I'm just going to say, stop doing things by yourself. Being a solopreneur does not give you financial freedom. There's no financial freedom without 
freedom of time. And once you find the right person, the right skills, and that that person takes things from out of your play, feels good, but it feels very, very good. And you just get used to it. Then you don't want to do anything. You just like let other people do it. But you've got to start somewhere. So start buying people's time. Buy somebody's two hours for, for the month. Start with two hours. Buy somebody's time. And then you can increase your your capability like that. The answer to the the thought that I had was around leveling up. Like the only thing we didn't talk about was like, if you're going to partner with someone, you really have to level up yourself and your own, your own stuff, if you will. Like, it's really easy just to, quite honestly, it's easy to easier at times just to do something yourself because you don't have to answer to anyone. There's no adapting. There's no, let's have a conversation. Let's put it into writing. I mean, it, it's just easier, easier in the short term, I should say, not easier in the long term. You know, but it wouldn't be wonderful long term. It wouldn't be wonderful for sustainability. And, and that's what's the beautiful thing about partnerships. So I'll just say it, it's, it's, it is like a marriage. A, a true partnership is like a marriage. And you have to, you have to look at yourself constantly and say, what can I be doing differently? What can I do to be better? It's not just this like fleeting thing that you come together on an LLC and you think it's going to be this not that important of a, of a, of a thing. I, I take, I take that pretty seriously. Um, and, and that also prevents you or, or encourage you to say, do I want to do that with everyone or a core amount? Like, so constantly look at yourself in the mirror and you have to level yourself up. Phenomenal information today. I love this because again, partnerships can change lives. So thank you guys for sharing that today. And, uh, before we move out of the show, let's get to our last segment. And that is our famous four. The Famous Four is a part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week to every guest. And I know we've asked you two before, but maybe your answers have changed. So let's find out. Question number one, and we'll start with, how about Liz? Favorite, either current favorite or all-time favorite real estate-related book? I'm going to say Cashflow Quadrant by Robert mm, Kiyosaki. So it's their second so It's their good. second book. And I honestly, I think it's probably my favorite because then I think about it, We I, I think in those terms, right? The E- the S, the B, and the I. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read the book. But as you grow and evolve, right? We want to be in the I. We don't want to be, you know, as much in the E and the B. I mean, sorry, E and the S, but more on the, I guess, the bottom quadrant. So yeah, that that book, like the Kiyosaki and uh, Sharon Letcher. Am I saying yep. her last name right? I think so. Yeah, she was on That's your show, right? right? Just recently. So like. Their genius was in their ability to put these frameworks, mm-hmm. like the idea of rich dad, poor dad, and the idea of the quadrants and like the frameworks that they put. And that's why like Sharon is a, she's written a ton of books. She's a master at this framework thing and why she's such a good teacher. Uh, so anyway, I'm excited. I haven't actually listened to the episode yet because it hasn't come out yet of your guys' show with her, but I know that's out like. It is. Yes. People can, can listen to it right now. All right. Very, very cool. And where do they go for that? I know we'll probably say it again in a minute, but while we're it's on the topic. It's biggerpockets.com slash invest her h-e-r and can find all our episodes there yes all right very cool and address that what was your uh real estate book what, what would you recommend it's not a real estate book but it is one it, it is who now how i think this book has yeah, so this is having the same impact as rich dad poor dad did at the beginning of my career yeah, we had uh, both Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan, the two authors of that book, on our show recently. And it was, and both of them were just incredible. Like that concept, who, not how, it changed my life. It's changed your business. It's, yeah, it's uh, such a great concept. So good recommendations. All right. David Green, number two. I think we kind of just covered number two, right? Didn't we just get into business books? Sort of, I guess. But you got any other ones? Do you have another business book you like? I would go with, for me, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I mean, it's, it's an oldie but goodie, you know, by Stephen Covey. Again, I think of those seven habits. I've memorized, I mean, I, I read that book, probably one of the first books I've ever read in personal growth. And it's such an impactful book. 
about seeking to understand and, and, and sharpening the saw. I mean, just like core principles for your life and for your business that I think about. I'll share two of my latest, Great by Choice by Jim Collins and Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. All right. What about some of your hobbies? Hobbies? Under COVID, (laughs) there's no no hobbies, like surviving mode. But I I really like uh, water painting and I like to dance salsa. Yeah, I'm more, uh, I, I, if it's a hobby, but I like running. I, I enjoy it. I, it's like therapy for me. So I really enjoy running a lot. And I just am tr- working on making time for getting back into tennis, which I really enjoy as a sport. Um, I just actually gave a lesson to my kiddos a couple of weeks ago and they didn't really listen to me, but, um, cause I'm like, I actually played tennis and they're like, what? Who cares? I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But anyway, um, That's funny. But yeah, I really, I just love the sport. So it's a hobby I'm, I'm, I'm working at getting back into. Oh, I think I'm going to get into that too. You know, Josh Dorkin lives out here in Maui now. We're like, we're like neighbors and uh, he goes and plays at the tennis club like every other day. And he's been bugging me to go and I keep going, ah, I don't know, but I love racquetball. <laughs> so I'll probably love tennis, right? Absolutely. Maybe. Tennis is pretty okay. fun. And Brandon, you can cover half the court with your wingspan alone. You can do like two steps and you can do the whole this thing. This is true. This is true. I can just like sit down in a lawn chair and probably beat people. That's, That's be my exactly goal. right. Just switch it from right hand <laughs> to left hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you believe each, and we'll start with Andressa this time and go to Liz. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I think this is a commitment that they have with themselves in life and, and, and just improving themselves as a person in general. There's no strategy or exit strategy that you can learn if your mind is not prepared to receive that. So personal growth for men, the commitment to succeed is the most important thing. Yeah, and I'd say just making making time for continuous improvement. I don't know how anyone becomes successful in this business overnight. I don't know anyone that has, even if you buy one rental. I mean, you know, and you want to go to two, there's some continuous improvement that needs to happen. Not only knowing what to do, but then actually doing it. And usually it has a lot to do with yourself and the things that are closest to you. It's not everyone else. So I think that's helped me over time. And sometimes it's tough, right? Feedback about yourself or feedback to things you need to do, but it's continuous improvement and really being committed to the, the greater goal, like Andressa said would be for me. Continuous improvement. That's like such a powerful phrase. I think you need to write a book on that someday. Just like who, not how continual improvement, like that concept. Mm, So good. All right. Well, you two, thank you so much for joining us today. I'll let David ask the final question, but uh, I was pumped. This was great. Final question is where can people find out more about you two? We're just so excited and honored to be beyond, uh, you know, on the Bigger Pockets platform now in terms of our podcast. So you could definitely check us out at biggerpockets.com slash invest her. And that's going to direct you guys over, tell you about a bunch about us, and then direct you to over our website, which is the real estate invest com. We have a, a platform, global community that we're building to really empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And we do that through lots of different ways, through meetups and communities and membership and all that good stuff. But, um, and then we also have some partnership, more questions, right, Andressa? Yeah. We have something we wanted to Yeah, to we want to give away because Liz and I prepare a, a, cheat, a, a cheat sheet. Am I saying this wrong? A PDF file. I'm no, just going right. to say a PDF file. See? <laughs> a PDF file that you guys can download with all the questions that you should ask yourself ask your partner and get together and ask. So it's, you can go on the realestateinvestor.com slash giveaway and download the PDF file. You can also follow us on Instagram at the real estate invest heart. 
There we go. Awesome, you too. Well, thank you so much. Everyone go check out the new, uh, or the, I guess the, the newly Bigger Pockets networked podcast, The Real Estate Investor. Yeah, you two just crush it, and we're excited to have you as part of the podcast family over here at Bigger Pockets. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, guys. This is David Green for Brandon Lawn Chair Tennis Turner. <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.